I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Today we're in Acts chapter 2. Good morning. Welcome back. Um, we are going to read through Acts chapter 2, and Laura and I are just going to have a conversation about it. Uh, yesterday, as I was driving to work, I thought about the conversation, and I realized when um, I was talking about Theophilus, um, I said that it meant friend of God, and phileo, uh, the last part of Theophilus, means loved. Um, so as we have this conversation between us, we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to, um, I mean, it's early in the morning and we're just having a conversation, but it's important. You know, when you're studying God's word and you're doing it with people you love, you can't be afraid to make mistakes and just say what's on your mind and be corrected by people. And that's how we get stronger is by sharing the thoughts that we have. So um, we might say something that's wrong, and well, that's fine. This is just our conversation and our way to strengthen each other. As the proverb says, iron sharpens iron. Um, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, we're not saying anything wrong on purpose. No, no, <laughs> we're not. But um, in any Bible study in person, you know, if, if anyone can remember back to those days in-person Bible studies, there's always um, people asking questions and, uh, you know, people who ask questions might say something that it isn't, it isn't correct and it takes some, some time and study for, you know, that to get corrected, but I th I've always thought that it's better to ask a question than to sit there thinking, oh, I don't want to say something because I don't want to sound stupid or I don't want to I don't want to show that I don't understand. So, I mean, that's one of the reasons we started doing this because you and I have both been born and raised, you know, this way, and we still have questions. So when, when we meet people who are brand new to the faith, um, you know, and they have questions, but they're not, they're afraid to admit, you know, that they don't know everything. I always say don't be afraid to don't be afraid to ask questions. So that's what we're doing, just talking, asking questions and if we if we say something wrong we'll we'll be thinking about it through the rest of the day and add the correction the next day. Or yeah. if you hear something that didn't make sense or you're questioning our questions or questioning our answers, uh, email Pastor at the Springs Lutheran and um yeah, we'll we'll all work together to keep studying, keep growing. Mm-hmm. All right, we got a long section, so we should should get started. Okay. All right. So again, just a reminder: I'm reading from the NIV, but a slightly older version. If you've got a brand new Bible or you're following along in like the Bible app, it's probably the NIV 2011, and I'm reading from the NIV 20 or <laughs> 1984, right? Yeah. Um, 2084. <laughs> it's a future Bible. Um, no. And so there might just be a few things with like um, gender specific pronouns. I know they've fixed that in the new one to be more inclusive of all, you know, people instead of saying men or, or things like that. But generally, this is the same version you're 
you're likely using. So I'm in Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> Again, I'll be doing most of the reading, and Pastor Paul here is going to be following along in the Greek, ready to uh, answer my questions. So here we go. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a loud or a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it each of us hears them in our own native language? Oh boy, here we go. So I might pronounce some of these wrong. <laughs> okay. But uh, just work, just keep going. That's what I always tell kids. Keep going, do your best. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Anything in that section? I think this no, is kind of a common story that we've heard a lot in church. Even if you're newer, you probably recognize this reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that it's people from all over the world. And, um, I mean, this list is, you know, from the east and the west and from the north and the south. And to point out that the disciples really were speaking in other languages and the people really were hearing uh, those languages and their speaking in tongues made sense. You know, everyone was able to listen to what they were saying and it was for the building up of those people's faith, not just um, an ecstatic expression of... of um, the Holy Spirit coming upon them, but really the Holy Spirit delivering a message of, you know, prophecy in, in kind of a broad sense of speaking for God to all these different people. So I hope this doesn't get us too off topic, but so you think they come out of their little room mm -hmm. and they're standing in like a square or something and are all of them just standing up speaking the same message at the same time? I'm just wondering how all these different groups of people are walking by hearing people in their own language. Because if you're in a crowded city, mm -hmm. you, uh, what, what would make you like, oh, I hear someone speaking my language, you know, or do they, they don't have microphones or bullhorns, like, just uh, always thought that was weird, like, are they all out there yelling, like, the same Bible passage, and, but each person in a different language, and now anyone can come listen, it just... Sounds a little chaotic, but I'm sure it was. Well, I it must have been understandable. I think, first of all, that sound of the rushing wind was probably heard by people throughout the city as well. So it's nine in the morning, you know, before the festival is really going on, and you just hear this 
noise without wind. That's crazy. And then you have this incredible spectacle of 12 guys with fire on top of their heads. So you think that those are still visible on their heads as they are preaching? I would think so. Oh, okay. I never really thought about it. Well, it doesn't really even, say when they appear or when they go. Right. And even if they weren't, you know, it doesn't like you go to a big city and there's a really good street performer, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take long for a crowd to grow and then all of a sudden people walk by and go, "What's going on here? What's going on here? What's going on here?" and just to gather this huge thing together. So, yeah. You know, I mean, not that this is like a flash mob instantaneous. It could be over a few minutes that all of a sudden, yeah, you know, it, it people are talking and then like all of a sudden a group of Parthenians gather around this guy and a group of Medes gather around this guy and the Egyptians are gathering around, you know, another I guy. See, I see back now in, in verse six where I read when they heard the sound, a crowd came together. So there was, it was, they were drawn by that sound of the wind mm-hmm. and then they hear. And then the speaking is. Yeah. And it's just going to continue to grow. Yeah. And it kind of sets the stage for finally Peter to stand up. But they had been hiding, and now they're not afraid to come out and, and uh, speak. Well, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. Because so that's what Jesus said. He said, go back to Jerusalem and wait. Right. But they had their doors locked. They were afraid of little of also sure. being killed. Yeah. I mean, seven weeks ago, Jesus was crucified. Yeah. You know? So, all right, let's see what Peter says next. Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only night in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Excuse me. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. And as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God, set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope, because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with your joy and your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the pa- the patriarch da- patriarch <laughs> sorry patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an on oath that he would place one of his de- descendants on his throne. 
Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of that fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Okay, I do have some questions about this, mm-hmm. but um, I like want to just read this last little section and then uh, go back. Okay. Does that sound good? That's fine. All right. The Fellowship of the Believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he needed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. All right. So we know that Jesus is true God and true man. Mm Mm-hmm. In this section, I just was noticing that, um, let's see, starting, I think, before verse 20, it goes mm-hmm. on the other page. Um, no, it starts on 22. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you, through which God did many things. This man, and then keep saying, like, this man who God used, this man God raised from the dead. And then when you get to, um, where was it? Verse 36. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both God, Lord, and Christ. So that just seems to kind of sound wrong out of context. Like he's, I mean, you can explain this, I'm sure, but sounds like he's saying Jesus was a man God worked through him and then he made him Lord that's what it sort of sounded like as I read it I know that's obviously not true but um, what is your take on how that's worded throughout this section Um, well God is or Jesus is 100% God and 100% man so when Peter talks about Jesus being man he's not wrong and especially from from the perspective of the Jews when he's going in this is his argument this is the man that you knew 
that you saw that you thought was only a man that you put to death. And then he goes into the Psalms to prove that he wasn't just a man. He was God. He was the son of God. Because David obviously wasn't talking about himself. David was talking about Jesus. And so, um, yeah, to conflate this and say that, you know, in some way that, um, you yes, know, there like, are there are religions that don't preach Jesus as true Lord. Right. That he doesn't have an equality to God the right. Father. Right. And a big, like, false teaching that would be, like, adoptionism, where, like, at Jesus' baptism, he became God. Right. And then at his death, he stopped being God. And then he was raised to the dead, and he became God again. Or a God. And it's just clearly not true from the rest of what the Bible talks about. You know, that um, you will give a birth to a son, you will name him Jesus. He is Christ the Lord. I mean, the, the announcement of the angels to Mary, the announcement of the angels to the shepherds. I mean, all of them say that this is God. Mm -hmm. that is born to him um god his whole life i mean even when he's baptized you're my son who will love with you i am well pleased like mm -hmm. your your life is perfect up to this point so um when there's something that seems out of place you know we need to look to other parts of scripture to see how it all fits together what does and it say in the greek at verse 36 where in my bible it says God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and God. Oh, 36. Um, it's about halfway through, because the first part says, Therefore let all Israel be assured yeah. of this. Securely, um, therefore, it is known, or let it be known to all the house of Israel that um, this very Lord, or that God made um, this one Lord and the Christ, uh, this very Jesus whom you crucified. So, and it just says made, or yeah. has made. Right. I guess right. that's the part that just kind of, as I was reading it, was like, that's what makes it, that, that tense makes it sound um, like, at, well, who you crucified, when you crucified him, that's when he has made him Lord, which we know is not true, because even earlier in the, the section, you know, he calls him the Christ, he calls him the Messiah, um, Lord many times so we know he's he's saying Jesus is true God but just that one phrase just I don't know why it just didn't sit right with me for a second so I just wanted to check mm -hmm. all right anything on the um, the fellowship of the believers that you wanted to comment on I thought it was interesting that aren't all these people from all these different like countries here for this festival Mm -hmm. And then it seems like they're staying longer than the festival. 
or is this all happening in the planned time of the festival? Oh, I think it continues on after that. So they decide not to go back to their different places? Well, there's 3,000. I mean, some of them probably went back to their own places and, you know, said things. Like, we're going to get to talking about um, Philip and the Ethiopian in a little Mm -hmm. bit. You know, he's going home and he... He's like trying to make sense of what he just heard. So he's, you know, reading the prophet Isaiah. What does this mean? Um, which it we don't have here, but, you know. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Everyone was filled with awe. They sold their possessions and gave, you know, so like. Yeah, it's not going to happen in one day, you know. Right, but they're, they're staying for a while. They're selling their things. Mm-hmm. But Jerusalem is a large town. Yeah, so the people that are there are selling their possessions. Oh, but not every, not every single one of the no, people it's who not baptized. Like, no. Well. Because, I mean, the church is not to a locality, you know. Right. It's going to spread out all over the place. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, when you have a small church like that and... They're so excited. I mean, that's what we do. Not that we sell all our possessions, but, you know, as we have a church body, people give their financial gifts to support um, a pastor, you know, who's going to preach and teach to them the Word of God, who's been trained in that way, a, a building, mm-hmm. um, different programs for education and community outreach and stuff. like And helping and one help, another. Yeah, who helping one another. Right. Supporting people who've been... Um, injured or had a tragedy or, you know, yeah. things like that. So. Right, that's all we should do. It's, And the Bible does say that in other places, too. I mean, the Gospels, we shouldn't just, when someone asks for help, just say, okay, be warm and well-fed, see you later, you know. The Bible does ask us to help our brothers and sisters in need. Mm-hmm. And if we view people as a family, that's pretty... Um, not easy but it you know yeah. makes a lot more sense to us yeah all right good well tomorrow we'll get into some things peter does all right all right thanks for listening hey thanks for listening today to this podcast again if you do have any questions please send us an email at pastor at the springs org. have a wonderful day god bless